Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hi, welcome in. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Bish along with Frank Stample here on SportsGrid. And everywhere where you're watching the show, whether it is SportsGrid.com or Pluto TV, Zumo TV, YouTube, FantasySportsNetwork.com, iTunes, uh, AudioBoom.com. So many different places you can listen to the show, however you are doing it, wherever you are doing it in the world. Thank you very much for tuning in for sure. Let's also not uh, forget to wash those hands, keep your social distancing, and uh, enjoy some family during this downtime. But for us, Frank, there is no downtime. It is time to dive into some sports as uh, we kind of just go around the globe and see what's happening. Coming up, we'll talk a little bit about some of the football moves that have been made over the last couple of days. Of course, we hit on a lot of baseball uh, games on our last show here. And so, uh, yet again, I'm in the middle of another hot game of RBI baseball, although I'm trailing this time. But uh, how's everything going? What's going on? Uh, it's going as it has been the past couple of days. Real dreary day here in New York City today. It's like 40 degrees. It's raining outside. Uh, so, you know, the weather's not great. Everything else that's going on in the world. I haven't seen any Japanese baseball highlights yet today. So that's oh. another bummer as well. Uh, but outside of that, things are going, man. Continuing to watch some uh, television, catch up on some things, refine some fantasy baseball rankings in our downtime as well. Uh, but that's really it. How are things with you, Craig? Everything as well, you know, it kind of got me thinking because of the way that we're trending here. And it looks like at least for the next at least short period of time, uh, especially where I think both of where we are, for those people who don't know, Frank is in uh, the New York, New Jersey area. I'm in Florida. We're kind of, I, I think, more or less deemed hotspots, unfortunately, for this virus. Frank more so than me, but who knows? It is Florida and we have Florida man here. So that could change at any time. But it kind of got me thinking that, like, things that I wanted to do when this is all said and done, and given that I have been in sports broadcasting for a long period of time, um, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on some of the things that I've been to and ask you, Frank, as well, some of the things that you still want to go to. And I wouldn't necessarily call them bucket list, because I think bucket list sort of applies to people who aren't as fortunate as us. And you may say, well, you know, Craig, what does that mean? Well, um, I am fortunate to be in the media. And to be able to get access to go to these as either a, uh, a broadcaster or a you know, podcast host, and not necessarily a fan. And I think that those are two different things, and I just want to differentiate that, because I don't think that people understand just how lucky we are, and I know for sure how lucky I am to have been able to cover and been to the things that I have been to. And so, I, you know, I, I just, you know, Frank, I know that you've been to some uh, as a member of SportsGrid, and you, of course, have you know been around in the fantasy industry for a number of years. Uh, maybe what uh, ten years? Has it been ten years, or is that way too long? It's, it's, it feels like it's been about that long, right? Uh, Eight it, years. It's, it's close to ten years, yeah. Between okay. uh, yeah. interning with Roto Experts and Fantasy Sports sure. Network, and yeah, it's close to ten years at this point. Yeah. Okay. So um, I'm gonna kind of just give like throw out some things that I've been to, and then you'll. You know, tell me if there's anything that you're interested in or, you know, I can share stories on on any of those sort of things. So, um, you know, people always I, I guess people put the pinnacle of covering sports as to covering a Super Bowl. And I've been to five and I'm here to tell you that in no way is that the pinnacle. I don't I, I think the first Super Bowl that I went to was maybe at the time. And we're, you know, we're going back, um, you know, probably 15 years or so, something like that. Uh, 99 was my first Super Bowl, so we're going even further back than that, 19 years, 20 years. Uh, at the time, it felt big. Since then, I've lost interest just because it's a little bit more of a hassle for somebody like me. Uh, but I, I guess for some reason, Frank, people put that as like the bucket list event for a fan. For a member of the media, I don't think that that is. Um, other things that I've been to, uh, college football championships, seen probably about four or five of those two, maybe even more. Um, in addition to that, of course, uh, Final Fours and NCAA tournaments. I got to tell you, those are amazing. Uh, energy in there like no other. And then, uh, you know, of course, World Series and, um, you know, and, and NBA Finals, NBA Championships, been to those as well. The Miami Heat covered, uh, you know, all, you know, their championships, the first one that they had. 
uh, with Shaquille O'Neal and Dwayne Wade when he came into the league, and then later on with LeBron James and um, you know Chris Bosh and and Dwayne Wade as well. So um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, th- those kind of top the list as far as the most popular ones, but I certainly have some others too that I want to mention because I I can kind of put myself and think back in that moment as well of things that I've attended and covered. And a lot of them, by the way, have nothing to do with baseball too. Yeah, so I would more so think about this from a fan's perspective, right? I mean, I would love to be able to go to a Knicks playoff game. It doesn't seem like that's going to happen anytime soon. You know, I'm just going to say Knicks playoff game for now because I'm not even going to, you know, think of the possibility of the Knicks ever making it to the NBA championship. So I'll just take a playoff game for now when it comes to the New York Knicks. Uh, Same thing. That's a low bar, man. That's a real (laughs) low bar. You got to do better than that. Uh, I've been to plenty of Yankees games so far. I've probably been to like a handful of Yankee games just as a fan uh, in terms of the playoffs, Yankee playoff games. uh, I've been to probably hundreds of actual Yankee games as a fan. Uh, Jets playoff game, that would be awesome to go to. Go Just going to a Super Bowl in general. I've never been to a Super Bowl uh, as part of the media, as a fan either. So just being involved in the Super Bowl any way, shape, or form, I'm pretty sure it would be obviously more fun to go as a fan uh, it sounds like, you know, maybe not so much as, as a member of the media as you don't remember get me it. Wrong. It's, don't listen, don't get me wrong. Uh, the first time I went to the Super Bowl, I was like, wow, like I've really made it, you know, like I'm something. And uh, I've told this story before. So uh, and so that that was cool. And then the second time was like, wow, like I really know my way around the Super Bowl, you know. And then the third time was like, OK, cool. Super Bowl's back again, you know. But then like after that, Frank, I got to tell you, like, it's just it's uh you know, being in the stands, uh, whether it's a, as a fan or as the media, it's just it's just a strange feeling because you. Well, yeah, I mean, now nowadays people, it seems like more fans are actually going to the games. But the Super Bowls that I went to in Tampa and Miami, both, as they say, it had a corporate feeling. It definitely had a very corporate feeling. Like you couldn't tell like who was rooting for who at any particular time. Um, I remember on one specific play, uh, I think it was the Super Bowl where Arizona played Pittsburgh. And James Harrison intercepted a pass and ran it all the way back for a touchdown. And, like, there was, like, not a lot of cheering. Like, because no, I was really, like, I knew no one was there really for Arizona. Because, I mean, what, Cardinals fans are going to travel all the way to Tampa for the Super Bowl? It's just, like, uh, there barely were even Cardinals fans at the time there. Um, But it wasn't, like, Steel Curtain style. Like, it wasn't, like, filled with Steelers fans. Like, you would normally expect a Super Bowl. And it was kind of like, oh, nice play. But no one was, like, going nuts. And the San Antonio Holmes caught a game-winning touchdown that one. It wasn't as well. Um... I'll tell you which was one of the more surreal things and the best place that I've been. And I loved it so much that I basically, I don't want to say I faked my way into trips going back, but what I tried to do was make as many trips as back as possible, honestly, was Lambeau Field. That was the one spot that I felt like something, like when I was there and and being in the media, being able to go on the field, you know, that's kind of. Um, the way that it works. You can go on the field before the game. And in the NFL, and I'm not even sure if they changed the rule, but in the NFL, you used to be able to go on the field for the last five minutes of the game, too. So um, I ended up seeing a, a playoff game in Lambeau Field. It was uh, the, the season that um, Green Bay won the Super Bowl uh, with Reggie White and Brett Favre way back when. And they played the Buccaneers. I was, I was covering the Buccaneers home and road at the time. So I flew and I went into Green Bay and I promised myself after that, I'm like, Frank, look, I'm going to I'm going to try and get back as many. I think I went like three or four times after that. Now, I've been to a lot of the NFL stadiums before. I've been to probably 10 or 15. But I think that outside of being in Miami and Tampa, because those are the two predominantly that I covered the most. I covered the Dolphins for almost three years. I covered the Buccaneers for two. Lambeau is probably the place that I've been to the third most. Because I just kept trying. I, every time that the Dolphins or Bucks were on a trip to Lambeau, I'm like, I am going. Like the city is iconic, the stadium is iconic. You have that sense of history walking on the field. I felt that way also at um, at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena too. The Rose Bowl was just like the field was just gorgeous. Uh, it was a championship between Miami and Nebraska, and uh, Miami ended up winning. It was a great team at that time. Andre Johnson, Ken Dorsey. Um, you know, Willis McGahey was coming, uh, was you know, and Clinton Portis. They had an unbelievable team, if you remember back on those Miami teams. But I remember the Rose Bowl as well. A lot, a lot, ironically, a lot of the things were were football related that I that I felt because um, I had always been a, a huge baseball fan and been to World Series. And I'll I'll tell you about a couple of the baseball events that I've been to in the past. But I guess it was like out of my 
a comfort zone covering football for a while and just being in that environment was was special so i mean that's lambo would get my top recommendation if you had a choice like if you said okay like i'm gonna go to a game this year i'm gonna pick a spot that would be the spot that i would go to i feel that way by the way about uh, las vegas too this year i feel like yeah, i want to be at that first game you know like i i uh, we were uh, i was discussing that and um you know frank i don't see any well, i mean who knows what's going to happen with the nfl season i don't see any way that the raiders open up on a thursday night and i also uh don't see any way that they play on a sunday afternoon to open the season so I think that we're probably looking at Sunday night or more likely the first ever game is Monday night football in, in Las Vegas. I'm going to get, and I think I'm going to try to go to that. Yeah. I think Monday night makes a lot of sense. I feel like the Raiders play every year on Monday night. Cause they, they usually have that double they header. Do. Yeah. They play the earlier game, like a seven o'clock game. I believe either last year or two years ago, the jets actually played in that, in that opening game on Monday night football against the uh, Detroit lions. And then it seems like the Raiders play that second game of the double header every year in Monday night football. So Seems likely again this year with the, you know, they could debut the stadium in Las Vegas as well. Uh, you're, Craig, you're telling me that you didn't get that feeling, that that same feeling that when you go to Lambo, you don't get that when you ste- step on the field of MetLife to cover a jet game? No, not quite. And I, ha- <laughs> and I, and I have covered uh, games in, in the new stadium and also uh, the old one as well, for sure. Um, you know what was a really cool place? Unfortunately, it's not there anymore. San Diego was a really good environment too. Those fans, the Chargers fans were really passionate about it. I went during like the... Uh, junior Seau years, they had a really good home field advantage there. And I don't know, they just decided to pack up. I don't know why they ever left San Diego, honestly. like I can't tell if you're being sarcastic right now, to be honest. No, it was. It was a really good, I'm being serious on that one. They had a really good home field advantage. That place was loud. Like it, They called it, I think, Jack Murphy Stadium at the time. And then it became Qualcomm, I think. I'm telling you, man, that place was a beast. It was really, really loud. And again, I've been to a lot of the, the football stadiums. That one rings a bell with me just thinking, my gosh, because the fourth quarter is a close game. I think the game that I went to there. Um, you know, baseball-wise, uh, World Series uh, just limited to the Miami ones, the uh, the Marlins uh, two World Series, 97 and 2003. Uh, the, the All-Star Game experience is really cool. I went to, uh, in, up your way, at the old Yankee Stadium in 2008 when Josh Hamilton hit like a billion home runs to win the all-star game. And um, what they did was they honored the uh, best living players ever at that all-star game. I'm sure you can go back and, and check it out on YouTube. And I, and I said to myself, you know, I am not sitting. Cause what I do a lot is I try to sit like lower if I can. And I thought, what are the odds that I'm going to get a seat at the all-star game, you know, like in New York. So I'm walking around, I'm walking around, and I see, like, one seat open, like, lower level, and, like, there was, like, two people, and then a seat was empty, so I went down, and I sat there, and I'm like, I want to be, like, Sandy Koufax is going to be here, and Yogi Berra is going to be, and Hank Aaron, and Willie May, and I'm like, I, I mean, I got to be here. This is before, I think it was before iPhones and all that, yeah. So um, I sit in the seat, the guy turns to me next to me and says, listen, I know this is not your seat. I'm like... <laughs> Nah, I know. It's not my seat. He's like, yeah, yeah actually, Cal Ripken, uh, after he's done with the ceremony, he's going to be sitting here. But you're welcome to sit here for the ceremony until Cal is done. And then you can, you know, go, whatever. And I ended up being friends with the guy. We, like, exchanged numbers and everything like that. So um, that was a good experience, uh, that All-Star game as well. So, all right, I've talked enough about things that I've done. There's a million of them. Final, I've been to some unbelievable Final Fours, Frank. Unbelievable NCAA tournaments. Uh, Kentucky involved, can, UConn, Kentucky, uh, Florida. Again, I mean, I've been I mean, th- that experience is crazy fun, uh, amazing. How about you? Anything on a on a list of yours that besides the Super Bowl of just something that you think that would be special? I, w- I would like to go to a home run derby. I was actually at that 2008 uh, All-Star game in Yankee Stadium, the old Yankee Stadium as well. I was there for that game. I remember yeah. it went deep into extra innings. It, it like did. I left before it was over. Yeah. yeah, so did I. I think I left at like in the like 11th or 12th inning at that yeah, point. I, left, I didn't I catch the home run derby the uh, the day before where Josh Hamilton hit all those home runs. But I would like to go to a home run derby. It's something that I would be interested in going to. I, I've never been to a World Series, NBA Championship, Super Bowl, anything like that. I, I'd love to do it Not as a, a fan, part of the media, uh, anything possible, but probably more so as a fan. Look, if I can root on the Jets, the Knicks, the Yankees uh, in a championship game, that would, be, uh, that would be awesome to do so. Craig, I don't know that I've ever asked you this, but being part of the media, has that kind of 
affected your ability to be a fan? Because I feel like a of lot of course. people, part yeah. of the uh, as part of the media, have kind of lost their fandom. Like, Absolutely. what was your original fandom? Was it That's in the South Florida teams? Yeah. Um. Uh. In in football, it was the Raiders. It was football was the Raiders for a long time. Um. Until the Ra- the Raiders missed an extra point against the Buccaneers in a Bucks game that I covered. And that was the first moment that I'm like, wow, that was good that the Raiders lost because it's going to make my job better that the Buccaneers won. It was like a 17-16 game. I think uh, the kicker missed the extra point. And uh, and I remember thinking to myself, like, I really wanted the Raiders to win. But that changed me at that moment. So, yeah, it was the Raiders for baseball growing up. I grew up um, in New York, so it was the Yankees with the 70s and the 80s. And then when I moved to Florida, we didn't have a team. So I kind of followed the Yankees, but... I wasn't as passionate about it, I don't think, as I was when I was very, very young in the 70s. Um, and then basketball, I was a season ticket holder for the Heat at the beginning when they had when they had um, when they had first come into the league. But it's a great question, and you're absolutely right. Uh, my fandom uh, basically was taken over by fantasy football for a long time and fantasy baseball, just rooting for the individual players. And then over the last you know decade or so, definitely the team that that covers the spread <laughs> that really. <laughs> That's the truth. I mean, that's the great thing about being at Sports Grid is that like that became, I became a lot more interested in that uh, than really anything else, even more so than fantasy. Because if you think about the fantasy investment, you invest a hundred dollars in a fantasy season over the course of f- four or five months, and then you know you bet fifty dollars on a game. It's like one game. It's like what do you prefer? Like I want my fantasy guys to do well, but I'd rather win the bet. I mean, it's it's half of what I bet. If it's fifty for me, it's sometimes a lot more than that but um yeah so it's a good question i have lost a lot of my fandom and and truthfully and sadly i've lost a lot of my interest in these big ticket events because i've been to them all Uh, i wanted to hit them all i knew how fortunate i was for a long period of time being in media without having kids without being married and thought i am going to hit all of these i'm going to do them all while i can because i don't know when that time's going to be up and i still am fortunate to be able to but uh, don't nearly have the same interest that's for sure All right, uh, we're off and running here on Fantasy Sports Today. Coming up next, speaking of some football, we're going to dive into some news and notes. You're watching Fantasy Sports Today here on Sports Grid. Craig and Frank will be right back. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Frank Stample here on SportsGrid here with you with our special one-hour editions of our show as we continue to broadcast here on SportsGrid.com or YouTube. Uh, Zumo TV, Pluto TV, and Stir are all free apps that you can download in the App Store or Google Play, and you can watch throughout the day, although in the program guide, It just says programming. Uh, A quick five-second look will tell you exactly which show is on. Uh, And if you choose to watch us, uh, you know, live at the time, fantastic. If not, you want to go back on demand, just hit up YouTube or any of the ways that you listen to our audio. You can hear that as well. I know a lot of people have been asking me, are we still doing shows? Of course we are. We're, uh, We're doing different topics, though. And I think that just so everybody out there understands is that I'm not going to sit here and just do... Uh, fantasy talk one way or the other while all of this is going on. I don't think it's all that interesting. So hopefully some of my personal conversations, personal life, maybe Frank's too, maybe that is something that you guys would consider interesting because I feel like I'm more diverse than to just sit here and talk about, uh, and talk about you know, let's say, Orlando Arcia for two hours. I don't, I don't want to have to do that. So, um, But in terms of football, why is it now – let's start off with this. Peyton Manning basically is not going to be on ESPN this year. Okay. Why is it, Frank, that nobody likes broadcasters? Like, why, why is that? What is this phenomenon that it is so hard to find uh, broadcasters that people like? Now, universally, everybody feels like Tony Romo, since he's come in uh, to the broadcasting world, is like, I don't know, he's, he's up here, right? 
And, like, everybody else is, like, kind of down here. Like, Chris Collinsworth is, like, kind of right there, too. But, like, we have this, this like, infatuation. In, in this world, we have an infatuation with just tearing people down in general. But why is it that, that these always become such big stories? And, and also for me, oh, Peyton Manning turns down Monday Night Football. I got news for you. I don't even like Monday Night Football anymore. Like, Sunday night is always the great game. Sunday night's always pits the two best teams in the NFL. Look, Monday night is better than Thursday. I'll give you that. But for me, Frank, when it comes down to Monday, there's always some dog team playing on Monday night. And I know that people gave a hard time to the broadcast crew last year there on ESPN. Uh, I believe it was uh, Booger McFarlane. Everybody had a huge problem with him and Joe Tessitore. Sunday night baseball, everybody had a huge problem with A-Rod, right, and Jessica Mendoza. Like, maybe it's just an ESPN thing. I don't get it. But we are just so overly infatuated with this. Like, all I want is, like, a fun broadcast that incorporates probably more data, stats, and gambling than they do now. That would be just fine for me. I don't, like, obsess with this stuff, but it seems like any time a name comes up, it's like, oh, my gosh, who's it going to be? Who could it be? Oh, Jason Witten. He was terrible. Oh, Peyton Manning doesn't want to do it. Like, why? Why does this keep happening over and over again? Well, I think it comes down to the single game broadcast, right? When you have Sunday night baseball, when there's nothing else going on in the world and so many eyes are just on that game. Same thing with Monday night football, where everybody in the world is watching Monday night football at the time that they're put under a microscope a little bit more than, you know, the average broadcast game that's going to be uh, a Sunday at 1 p.m. when there's so many other NFL games going on at the time. But you're right. Look, I think Booger McFarlane and Joe Tessitore, they were they were just tore apart last year. Uh, and from a broadcasting perspective, uh, Tessitore, for me, I think it's warranted because, I mean, the guy gets so excited about every single little thing that happens that when something big actually happens... You can't even tell because the guy's freaking out when someone gets a first down. Oh, my God, it's a first down. Uh, Joe Tessitore, for what he does uh, for the college game, I think it's probably he's probably better suited for that than he is for the NFL. But, Craig, I think it just comes down to the fact that, you know, specifically Sunday night football, uh, Monday night football, Sunday night baseball, Thursday night football, these one-off games are just under a microscope because it's the only sporting event that's really happening at that time. And there's so many people watching it. Who's to say that, you know, if the guy that's calling the the one o'clock game on, on a Sunday night, uh, on a Sunday, you know, afternoon football game, isn't going to get the same criticism if he was doing it on Monday Night Football. So I, I think guess. it's just, I just think that there's more eyes on it at the time. But I think the past couple of years, ESPN, they got to figure it out because Tessitore, McFarlane, Witten, you know, I, they've taken a lot of criticism, but I think rightfully so, Craig. Maybe, maybe it is warranted and maybe it's just me. Like, I, I, I don't get all caught up in in all of that um you know it's obvious when someone's making mistakes i think that's like unheard of to think that that can still happen at that sort of level but i just feel like anytime it comes down to broadcasting we just spend so much time obsessing over who the actual broadcasters are i watch sunday night baseball i don't think they have a good broadcast but i don't really think twice about it you know it's like i don't obsess over who it's going to end up being and who's going to take their place i mean for many years on sunday night baseball it was john miller and joe morgan and they were, like, iconic in doing what they did at the time. And then, of course, like, I mean, some people felt like the time passed them by a little bit. I got news for you. John Miller still does every single San Francisco Giants game on the radio. So, I mean, as, as whatever passed him up, he's still doing it now and doing it at a very high level in San Francisco. But moral of the story is Peyton Manning, not going to be a broadcaster this year. He'll be fine. Whatever ends up happening with Peyton Manning, he'll be, uh, you know, with a team or he'll do a TV show or do a radio show. It'll be great at it. Whatever he ends up doing, he'll be perfectly fine. Um, in the NFL today, uh, we've got a, a few things to go over here. Um, Kyle Allen of the Carolina Panthers is moving on to the Washington Redskins. Kyle Allen, I thought, did a pretty good job until the wheels completely fell off him at the end of the season with the Panthers. Uh, look, there's not going to be any room for him anymore there. I get it. He could probably be a solid backup, maybe even start. I ended up playing last year, Frank, in this guillotine league where you had to draft two quarterbacks. And believe it or not, um, I didn't win the league. I got like eight weeks in or nine weeks in. I had Kyle Allen actually starting for me a couple of those different weeks. You have, it's like a super flex. You have to start two quarterbacks. So, uh, you know, I don't have a huge problem with that. But truth be told, Frank, I get it. He looked really bad at the end of the season. Like, it was like no touchdown, four interceptions type bat, and I get that. Uh, but no Cam Newton, no Kyle Allen with the Panthers next year. If I would have told you that in the middle of last year, you would have said, ah, you're crazy. Yeah, complete rebuild here for the Carolina Panthers. Matt Rule comes in. He was the big 
ticket acquisition in the offseason. It seems like, you know, he was the guy and nobody really even knows how great he's going to be at an NFL level because he's never actually coached at an NFL level. But I remember last year the Jets were in on Matt Rule yeah. uh, and it seemed like he was the top head coaching candidate available here in the offseason. So he gets the big money, comes in and he's trying to reshape this team in his image. They signed Teddy Bridgewater to be the starting quarterback there. Uh, so far, no takers in terms of Cam Newton. I don't know if they're actually going to be able to find a trade partner for him. They might just outright have to uh, cut Cam Newton, but they actually, uh, they signed PJ Walker today as well to be their backup. They signed him from the XFL. So they dip into the XFL a little bit there. And PJ Walker is someone that was, you know, making plays with his legs in the XFL as well. So he adds a little bit of mobility. Uh, nothing but a backup here behind Teddy Bridgewater. But Kyle Allen moves over to Washington. He's going to back up, potentially even push Dwayne Haskins for the, yeah. for the starting quarterback job there. Look, Ron Rivera, new head coach comes in. He didn't draft Dwayne Haskins. I'm sure, you know, he was told when he, when he took the job that he probably has to make it work with Dwayne Haskins because they still have uh, the, the previous regime there. But... Uh, look, in terms of, you know, well, uh, Kyle Allen's his guy from Carolina, right? Yeah. So he brings in his guy from Kyle uh, from Carolina and he's going to potentially push Dwayne Haskins. And we saw a little bit of Haskins down the stretch uh, for the most part. Wasn't he great. Brutal. He yeah, brutal. it wasn't great. But uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll see. It seems like Kyle Allen's uh, the backup there potentially pushing Dwayne Haskins for the starting job. He was the guy that you wanted the defense against at the end of the fantasy. Right. You wanted to uh, both of these guys actually. Him. Um, Dion Lewis, uh, once upon a time, a Super Bowl champion, gets that big contract with the Tennessee Titans. Did it work out? Probably not. Worked out well for him. Got paid. Got taken care of. Good job by him for the rest of his life. Patriots have made a lot of money for a lot of players uh, playing at a high level there. I mean, he's kind of was miscast ever as being a primary guy that was never going to happen. He got a lot of playing time last year at the beginning of the year when they just refused to use Derrick Henry. But now that Derrick Henry is... You know, sort of an every down back. He can't even catch the ball. It didn't really make sense for Lewis to stay. He'll go now to the Giants. And this is one of those signings, Frank, that it's like we all know Deion Lewis's name. And we all know at one point he was a really good running back in the NFL. But it also, I don't think it would shock you that, like, if he just didn't make the team. You know, like, I, like it could happen. It may happen. And he'll get some guaranteed money, I'm sure. But... You know, I I don't know. I mean, Barkley's almost virtually in every down back, and I suppose Lewis could be there for him in case something happens, but I think his best days are behind him. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. And while you might think, oh, poor Deion Lewis, the guy can't find a job anymore. He can't find any playing time. Well, he's still cashing checks, as you mentioned, Craig. So he was cashing checks with the Tennessee Titans. Now he moves over to the Giants, where he's probably going to play a similar role to what he did down the stretch for the Titans last year. Yeah, I mean, he's look, he's not going to play unless Saquon Barkley no, gets hurt. That's the only so. way it's yeah. going to happen. And Barkley suffered a major ankle injury this past season. I guess something to pay attention to. But he actually returned uh, last year, seemed to be himself again. And look, he's going to be an every down back, as you mentioned. He's a top five pick in fantasy football. There's no doubt about it. Sure. Uh, yeah. And I think that outside of just being a handcuff, unless... Uh, but unless Saquon Barkley gets hurt, Dan Lewis really not going to have a role here. We're starting. I don't to see- even. I don't even know that he's a handcuff. I mean, it, was he Derrick Henry's handcuff? Really? Like, I don't know. I look. I guess if Derrick Henry would have get hurt, like Dan Lewis probably would have been the guy. That's ten carries at most. Yeah, ten carries, a couple, uh, a couple of receptions as well. Yeah, yeah, PPR so- guy. Yeah. So we'll see what happens, but it seems uh, there seems to be a trend going on here, Craig, where you know Joe Judge comes over from the New England Patriots, starting to sign some of those Patriots guys. He brings in someone uh, like Deion Lewis, who he probably has a rapport with in the past. Matt Patricia yeah. signing a bunch of Patri- former Patriots players. Right. The Dolphins with Brian Flores signing a bunch of Patriots players. So you're right; these Patriots guys are getting paid uh, by their you know former coaches. Uh, but look. This New England team is not what they once were. They're starting to lose players, lose coaches, no more Tom Brady. We might be looking at Brian Hoyer as a starting quarterback for the Patriots this year. It's a weird time, Craig. Yeah. I mean, Matt Castle still available to uh, <laughs> come back and return for the Patriots. Um, the other big story that went down in the NFL recently is yet another retirement of a player. Now, I, if, if you're just a fantasy person, then you probably don't know the name all that well. But the Cowboys have just prided themselves on and Jerry Jones 20 years that he's owned the team he's like always builds that offensive line like Cowboys almost always have a dominant offensive line every year and if they don't you know right away because they they fix that thing 
And uh, and Travis Frederick, who um, had a little bit of a scary uh, medical incident uh, at just 29 years old, decides that he's going to retire. Now, the, the gut punch to me was when Luke Keekley retired, Frank, but I totally get it because of all the concussions that he had. And he had, look, Luke Keekley was playing at the highest level possible. Frederick at his position, and again, medical issues aside, I mean, it's got to be a top five center in the NFL. So this comes as a complete shock. And this isn't so much about Frederick and taking a look at Ezekiel Elliott. Like, all those things to me, you know, they're secondary. They'll fix that. To me, it's the same thing that is this trend that keeps happening, Frank, is that you literally don't know when a guy is just going to be done. Like, Andrew Luck, Keekly, uh, Calvin Johnson, and now uh, Frederick. There have been other players as well. Patrick Willis, I think, was another one, uh, defensive uh player with the San Francisco uh, 49ers guys are just retiring at a very young age I mean I guess from a fantasy perspective it makes it a little bit unpredictable as to who you want to hold because you just simply don't know who's going to play and who won't but I, I kind of don't think this is going to change I think this is going to keep happening guys are going to play five years make their money and be done yeah, I think it's a good point that you bring up from a fantasy perspective, right? Like if you're drafting running backs and wide receivers in, in dynasty leagues and, you know, you hold on to these guys as they get later into their careers, even like mid-20s, late-20s, we're starting to see guys retire. Like Andrew Luck was super young as well. Calvin Johnson, you mentioned the name. So, you know, you even have to think about this from a dynasty perspective. And I don't think anyone's safe, right? It could be a running back. His career ends early. A wide receiver, it could happen to anybody. And we know last year, Travis Frederick was dealing with uh, that that really uh, unknown kind of uh, Ian Barr, yeah, yeah, that syndrome that he was dealing with last year that really held him out. Um, and look, it's it continues to be a trend. And how can you blame anyone, Craig? I mean, they're thinking about their their long term health and and their future. And you know, look, the NFL. I understand that it's a business, but adding another game to the regular season that's probably going to you know shorten even more careers as well and you know the fact that they do play on Thursday night so many players have come out and and spoke out against playing on Thursday night because again every NFL game they say is like a car accident so imagine getting into a car accident and then 3 days later getting into another car accident that's basically yeah. what the NFL is asking these guys to do by playing on Thursday night football so uh, an extra game playing on the short weeks I think that we're just going to continue to see more and more players like this retire un unexpectedly. Yeah, it, it's it's a hard dynamic, I, I think, for fantasy, but it's even harder from reality. And and that moment that, and I, I think it was probably on social media, on Twitter, that I found out that Keekley was going to retire. Like, Andrew Luck was a shock beyond shocks. And, you know, nobody really saw that coming. And it was like the whoa moment in sports. But but Keekley's uh, uh, speech what, that he that he posted, uh, man, that hit me, man. Like you could just tell, uh, and, and it did with Andrew Luck. It did as well. But Keekley really hit me because I'm like, you know, that guy is only retiring because he's had issues in the past. Like Luck had some, and none of them, fortunately, uh, from the neck up. You know that I think that's look. I shouldn't diminish being able to walk and do all the things that you are in life, but clearly CTE with guys taking their own lives is like a whole nother level of injury. And to think that that could possibly happen to somebody who has concussions over and over again and to see how that affected Keekly and the way that he talked there, that is the moment for me so far in the NFL offseason, Frank, that really hit me just because when he was on the field, the Carolina's defense, it didn't matter how, how bad they were. Like, you always knew where that guy was on the field. And the second he was off the field, it was like, oh, their defense was – and their defense, by the way, last year was terrible, um, whether he was there or not. But it'll be interesting to see over the next few years to see how, how many players do end up retiring young. The one that everyone goes to, their go-to guy, was, of course, Barry Sanders many, many years ago who decided just basically he was done. He called it quits. And then we had none of them maybe outside of like Ricky Williams who did it for different reasons. But for a long period of time, we had guys that just played until you could tear the Jersey off. Now we're seeing guys not let that happen specifically in that league. So a trend to see if that continues or stops. We just don't know. All right. Uh, take a quick time out here on fantasy sports today, right here on sports grid. Frank and I will be back with a whole lot more. So don't go anywhere. Also, please like, and subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button right now. Hit that subscribe button right now. We'll send this thing right to you every single day. So you don't have to. You can ask me on Twitter, but you don't have to ask me. You could just subscribe 
and then boom, gets sent to you right away every single day. You catch Fantasy Sports Today right here on Sports Grid. So with that, we take a quick timeout, and Frank and I will be back with a whole lot more right here on FST on Sports Grid. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Frank Stample for one final segment here on the show. Again, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, this little button's down below, as you can see in the description. Make sure you like and subscribe to the show. Give us the thumbs up, not the thumbs down. And then uh, this way we continue to produce content for you. Uh, I'm watching all of our shows, all of our network programming on sportsgrid.com. Um, you guys can check us out, of course, on Pluto TV and Zumo TV and Stir. I know Frank is downloading all of these 80s movies that are amazing, and he's watching them 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He's, like, watching Gilligan's Island reruns on there. It's fantastic. Three's Company, Three's Company 2, um, <laughs> Sanford and Son, and Frank just all day long is watching these awesome shows. So, um, th that I mean, those are great stuff. Now, the one thing that we're not doing is we're not changing the Sports Grid logo. At least we're not doing that for now. But of all things, boy, what an interesting offseason for the Los Angeles Rams. Now, look, I don't blame them for parting ways with Todd Gurley. And at the age of 25 or 26, however old he is, I got to say, I watched him play last year. And I, I love you, Todd Gurley, for what you accomplished. And I, and I hope your con uh, career continues. I don't think it will. I mean, I, I keep saying this. I'm going to say it a million times. Guy can't play in the Super Bowl. Can't play in the Super Bowl. And then you thought that last year he was going to come back and have a good year? I mean, you got to be out of your mind. So thinking that he's going to do well in Atlanta this year, I, I just I don't see it. But I also didn't see them during a uh, coronavirus pandemic releasing a new logo, Frank. Now, why does this? This is another thing that I got beef with. Like we are all. I'll give you a good example. Give you, here's a perfect example. When has a team put out a logo that's new that everyone's just been like, wow, those are amazing. Now jerseys and color schemes and all that really seem to be good. But here is who uh, professional sports teams should be paying attention to. A perfect example of this. If you go to a concert, right, what is the worst part of every concert that you would go to when you go to see any kind of, let's say, iconic singer? What's the worst part, Frank? What is it? Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm trying Brian to think. Brian doesn't go to concerts either. I don't okay. go to, uh, get, uh, waiting on lines. How about that? Okay, how, what was the last concert you've been to? What's, what's the b biggest concert that you've ever been to before? Metallica. Are you a Metallica fan? Huge Metallica fan. Okay. Does Metallica have any new albums? Uh, yeah. Okay. Somewhat. Okay, so what happens when Metallica, you go to see Metallica uh, concert in 2020, and they're playing all their new songs? Yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying now. <laughs> That's the point. That's yeah. the point. Why go new? Go old. Everyone should go old school. This is what people want to like and hear. If you go see a Billy Joel concert, he plays all the hits. If you go see a Bruce Springsteen concert and he comes out with a new album and you're walking into the concert, what are you thinking immediately? Oh, man, I hope he doesn't play all the stuff from his new album, right? This is what they always do, and it always annoys the bleep out of people. So why change? Because you want to rebrand, you want to make a little money. Okay, yeah, I get it. But I think you could do just as well taking old logos, taking things that you've done in the past, and doing throwbacks. Like, I, I think that these companies would make a lot more money on throwbacks than they would about changing their uh, their logos. And, uh, and look, Rams did what they did five years from now. We probably won't even be thinking about it. But it doesn't look great. They did it now of all times. I don't know why. Like, they just wouldn't wait a month or two. But for me, Greg, that's that's what this is about, man. Like, I, I'm all for new things. I'm all for trying new things. But if you're going to do it like this, you better make sure that fans are going to love it. And this is not one that I don't think fans will love. 
No, I mean, someone leaked this logo, I think, a couple of weeks ago or a month ago, and it was on a hat somewhere, and it looks like a, a Chargers logo. I understand that they're going to be sharing a stadium together, but do you need to make your uh, logo? They, they have the one logo. It's like uh, an alternate logo that is actually a Rams head, but the L.A. looks like a Charger bolt. So it looks more like the Chargers than it does the, the L.A. Rams. So I'm with you. Look, go with the nostalgia effect. Uh, people like retro things. What's old is new again. You'll hear a thousand cliches when it comes to retro type things where, you know, uh, soon we're probably going to be walking around with brick cell phones again. And, and look, Could be. It's, if, it, if it was ever popular once before, you bet that it's going to be popular once again. So I am with you. I think, you know, tapping into that nostalgia factor uh, is something that fans like. I mean, fans are more likely to buy retro type player shirts and jerseys than they are any of, any of the new things. So yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I don't think that the Rams have, I mean, to my knowledge, uh, a, a great history of logos. I don't know what they would even be able to it's go to. It's the same. It's, they, look, they, they have the helmet with the Ram on it, right? Right. And it, it changed through the years. They went, like, with the metallic look. There was the greatest show on turf with Kurt Warner and Marshall Falk and Holt and Bruce. Like, they, they changed that up a little bit when they went to St. Louis. They went back to L.A. They went back to the old-school look with the blue jerseys and the and the yellow tops. And then the helmets went back to the old-school, too. But, like, Frank, like, I don't get it, man. Like, And, again, like, think of the last 10, 20 years. Like, wh- when has a team changed its logo that we were just, like, Wow, that's amazing. Like, I immediately want that. Almost never happens, right? Like, the Marlins did it, and I, and I can speak to that because they were trying to distance themselves from the previous ownership and the previous regime. And honestly, since the Marlins changed their logo from the Florida Marlins to the Miami Marlins, they didn't win a damn thing. So they were just like, you know what? We just want to forget about all of that. Whether or not you like the logo or not, that was their point to doing it, which made some sense. But these teams that are doing it, and for no reason at all, like why? Like like like, give me a team, Frank, in baseball, football, basketball, uh, that changed everything that they did, and you were like, wow, I gotta go run and buy that. No, I mean, there's nothing that really stands out. And to further your point, it, think of the most iconic logos in sports. Those are the ones that have never been changed. It's the Yankees logo, the Dallas Cowboys, the star on the side of the helmet. I mean, these are logos that, you know, maybe like subtle nuances, they come out with like an alternate logo, but it's never going to replace the actual logo. So I think, you know, there's something to be said for that, the continuity. Again, the Yankees, the Cowboys, they, I mean, they've been the same logo. Well, the Patriots uh, did change theirs. That's that's one that stuck, right? I mean, that in fa- I mean, it was, it's been a long time, but that was one that, that stuck. I don't know if you even remember the old. Oh, yeah, the old one was more like the full body shot of the Patriot. The guy was hiking the ball. Yeah, now it's just the the Patriot head. But, you know, maybe that was a good change for them because it seems like ever since, you know, they've they've started (laughs) using that logo, uh, things have uh, have really been great for them and prosperous. And, look, maybe a couple years from now the Patriots will be changing their logo again because it looks like they're about to uh, enter a whole new phase of life here uh, post-Tom Brady. So we'll have to see what happens. I don't know that Brian Hoyer is the answer as well, uh, but just getting back to this Rams logo. I appreciate the color scheme. I guess the, the classic blue and yellow, which is what they used back in the day. That's what we're talking about. But just, right. again, the L.A. that they have now, it looks more like a Chargers logo to me than anything else, Craig. Yeah, in fact, I you know what? If you could just stand by one second for me. I know this is going to be bad TV, bad radio, but, you know, I actually have, believe it or not, just by total coincidence in my office, a Rams helmet. So stay there. Don't go in. Uh, Craig, Craig's going through the office. I, I do appreciate uh, the game that Craig was going to introduce was what are the things that he can find in his office? I remember he had like a little uh, G.I. Joe toy, uh, and now he has right. the, the Rams helmet. What did we find in Craig's office today? Just by total coincidence. I didn't I, honestly, like, I'll tell you when it's a setup and I'm a phony, but okay, so I actually do have a Rams helmet. Oh, there office. you go. Right. Now, truthfully, the pro- we're bringing out the props here for the show today. But this is signed, actually. This is a full-size signed helmet by the, I think, the best Ram of all time. Can you tell? It's kind, of, it's backwards there. Can you see that? Yeah. Who is that? Eric Dickerson? Yeah, Eric Dickerson. Good call, Frank. Yeah. So Eric Dickerson was at some golfing event. I don't know how or why I got this, but uh, my wife decided a couple of weeks ago. Um, we have a we have like a display cabinet, and like all of a sudden. My helmets from the display cabinet ended up in my office, and the display <laughs> cabinet is now like a bunch of uh, who even knows what is in there. 
Don't I'm ask, like, don't tell. Like, what happened? I'm like, well, oh, well, you know, you, you take up all the space. You know, I'm like, all right, fine. So, so like, time went by, and then I started looking in the display case, right? I'm like, you know, there's still a lot of room in here. So, so a couple of helmets made it back in, but this, uh, this Dickerson helmet did not. Do you have any other, uh, like, famous memorabilia? Anything that's, like, You know signed? what? For the next show, that's what we'll do. <laughs> Sports memorabilia. <laughs> I mean, I don't, we would not have enough time, I don't even think, to go through it. I've been very fortunate through the years to get uh, quite a bit of stuff. Uh, so we're talking like it. signed helmets, cards. What do you, what are we talking? All here, all the above, yeah, yeah, yeah all everything. the above. Like like you, like you know, honestly, my um, my office has uh, jerseys like signed and bats signed everywhere, all over the office. I have a bunch of jerseys, but none of them are signed. I, I just like collecting jerseys. In fact, yeah, uh, I just got a bunch. I just received the uh, the number eight Kobe Bryant jersey. I ordered that uh, shortly after he passed away. So I already have his I have his gold twenty four jersey, and I wanted to get his purple uh, number eight jersey. So I just got that. I have a ton of jerseys too. I have I have a Deion Sanders Falcons jersey, Ken Griffey Jr. Mariners jersey. Uh, I bought a a not Justin Shane Bieber player shirt last year. I, I like the the nickname player shirts that they have that they put out there. That's something that I actually find fun that baseball does. I, I, how do you feel about that, Craig, when they have the, the player nickname jerseys for that entire weekend? I don't mind it just because it's only one weekend. It's not a big right. deal. I know yeah. there were some Yankee fans that were like, oh, my God, how can they not wear pinstripes? This is uh, this is blasphemous. It's, it's just one weekend. It's not that big of a deal. The, the, the problem, the, first of all, it's a good idea, okay? any Anything that makes it more fun is a good idea. So this is not a complaint. I don't want to use this as a complaint, but this is an explanation is that baseball force has to force itself to do these things to stay hip, cool, and relevant. And that's the problem with baseball, is that it's a good idea, although those white jerseys were horrible last year. They, I remember they wore those ice cream jerseys last year at one point. Um, they have to keep coming up with these ideas to stay cool and to stay hip because they don't market the players as well as they should. That is the problem with the game. And so while I do like that idea... Like, it should be expanded further than that. Like, why why can't any player wear whatever cleats they want to, Frank? Why can't they wear whatever socks they want to, Frank? And listen, some of that goes for football as well. And look, I mean, Beckham for you know years has been trying to pull off wearing whatever he wants to, and they keep finding him for stuff like that too. But why? Like, who cares? As long as it's not vulgar and it doesn't insult anyone, there's a definite line that you don't want to cross with that. I get it. A lot of kids are watching the game. But beyond that, do you see what are what's on these NBA jerseys now? Like, do you see how wacky these NBA, uh, you know, the throwbacks and all the things that they wear on different nights? And all they're simply trying to do is sell. So why not let the NFL and and and, um, and Major League Baseball do it as well? You know, keep your jersey, wear your jersey. But if you want to wear socks, funny socks, wear them. If you want to wear cleats, wear whatever you want. So. The bottom line for me is that I like it, Frank, but it shouldn't come down to that we should even have to worry about that because it should be all the time. They should be able to do what they want all the time, in my opinion. Yeah, it doesn't happen organically in baseball. I know that that's something that Trevor Bauer has uh, argued against uh, Rob Manfred is that he yeah. hasn't done a good job of you know uh, promoting the young players in the game. And this is something that normally I don't agree with Trevor Bauer. And from a fantasy perspective, I will tell you never to draft Trevor Bauer. But actually what he said about there's more diversity in the game now than ever before is factual. Just look around the league and all the different types of players, the different backgrounds, the different countries that players come from. And yeah, I mean, to be able to market those guys, it should be easy for baseball to do it so. Be, and, yeah. Yeah, another thing that Bauer brings up, which, you know, everyone's trying to figure out, well, why is baseball not popular amongst, uh, you know, millennials and the younger generations, right? It's, we have all these blackout restrictions, right? Even if I have an MLB TV package, I can't watch Yankee games on, on my phone. I, I have YouTube TV. I just lost Yes Network as well. So there's too many things going on. There's uh, someone, this person's greedy, this this person's greedy, and uh, ultimately the, the person who loses out the most is the fan because... You know, all I want to be able to do is fire up a Yankee game when I'm at my in-laws' house and there's nothing else going on. I want to watch the Yankees on my phone. I can't even do that now, Craig. Yeah, I, I, that's that's so silly. I think that they got to change that. Um, it doesn't even make any sense, honestly. I guess they just want you watching their locals. I guess, right? That's it's, yeah. But in, in this day and age, with a phone, you would think that that would change. But it's the, the same goes for uh, for the NFL too, right? We're watching uh, the Sunday ticket or whatever on I have direct TV. So watching the Sunday ticket 
uh, we don't get the Dolphins. Like, I would have to go to, uh, you know, the, the red zone or something like that. Like, I could watch the Dolphins on television, but I can't watch them in my game mix if I, like, have three t- three games on at once. I do that a lot. Like, I'll put on one main game, and then I'll mix, like, two or three games. I don't I don't ever do, like, the full, like all the games at once. I used to do that. I'm like, I, it was too much for me. <laughs> I do the one – I'll do one main game that I want to watch, and I'll pop open the laptop, and I'll do, like, two more. And if it's a it's a if it's a, a Miami home game, or I think even I think if Miami's on TV at all, we don't get it. That's it. So the NFL does the same thing. Yeah, the NFL, the NBA does it too. Even with the uh, with the NBA league pass, right? I can't stream Knicks games on my phone either. So uh, not that I should really want to, but uh, when it comes to uh, yeah, when it comes to football, I usually have Red Zone on, on the big screen, and then I have the Jets streaming on the laptop, and yeah, you know, I kind of just follow. Twitter for everything else, and I, I have you know a bunch of box scores open, but that's normally the NFL experience on Sundays. But yeah, you're right. It's not just baseball. It's a problem in all sports, right, where we want to be able to stream the, the teams that we love and teams that we're a fan of, and ultimately, sure. it's not just baseball. It's every sport. No, it is. It's every sport. Well, look, that's a, an idea that, that has to change, and I think it will. I mean, in this day and age, the way that we all watch and the way that we all, as they say, consume television, radio, podcasts, everything else... It's at different times, and a lot of times it is. It's sitting on our phone. I mean, there's a reason why uh, iPhones and Androids are, like, huge. There's like Not huge in terms of popularity. Huge in terms of so big. It's almost like a mini TV having it now. And, of course, I'll go for the biggest and the best, too, because that's a lot of the times that I'm going to have to watch uh, a lot of the stuff. You know, having kids, being out, being at different things, parties, events, so on and so forth. So uh, it does uh, make a lot of sense. So with that and that final topic, here on Fantasy Sports Today. That's going to do it for another one-hour edition uh, for us right here on Sports Grid. Now, uh, Frank and I will be back, and we will continue to break down everything that's happening. If there is news, unfortunately, over the last, uh, you know, 20, 40, 24 to 48 hours uh, that you're watching this right now, not a ton of baseball news has been happening, which is understandable because everyone is pretty much on lockdown. But as more baseball news percolates, We usually uh, compile it, save it, and then bring it to you over the course of one show. Uh, Also, my uh, uh, Fantasy League of Legends is going to be popping off soon. We're going to start to announce that, drafts, and kind of talk about that a little bit more here on the show. So that's to come as well. So plenty more content to give to you in this slow time of sports. Just a quick reminder for everyone out there, uh, please stay safe. Please stay at home. Please stay quarantined. Uh, don't put anybody else at risk, even if you are not at risk. It is just the right thing to do right now. For my co-host, Frank Stample, I'm Craig Mish. Hope you guys have a great day or a great night, and we'll catch up again right here on Fantasy Sports Today on Sports Grid. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com.